Are you ready for the word? Let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, and we're just going to read verse 27. I'm going to be commenting on Samuel chapter 1, but just for our beginning um, text, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. And in the words of Hannah, we read, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. For this child I prayed. Let's say that. For this child I prayed. For this mercy I prayed. For this thing I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition. You know, as I was reading this, this passage, and just I was reading the book of Samuel, this verse just, I couldn't go beyond that. I just, it just ministered to me that we have a God who answers prayer. Oh, you didn't hear me. I mean, we have a God who answers prayer. If you, if you don't believe in God, it must be that because you've never received an answer to prayer. But when you have prayed and you have seen God, not once, but more than once, answer prayer, and you can say, for this I pray, and God answered me. I don't care what argument you try to bring to claim it doesn't make it makes no difference because we have experienced God. We don't just know God because we think there's a God. Yeah, we know him because we have experienced his goodness. We have experienced his faithfulness. We have experienced his power. We have experienced answered prayer. Amen. I, as I begin to reflect on my own life and, and, and the number of things that I can say, for this I prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. I think I shared this with you when I was, uh, maybe I think I was about 13 years old. I had a growth on my body and I remember it was becoming painful and I prayed. I, I went into my parents' room and I said, Jesus, please heal me. And instantly that growth left. For this healing, I prayed. It was, the growth was there. I prayed. It was no longer there. And you tell me there's no God who answers prayer? Hmm? For this healing, I prayed. Hallelujah. I remember when I, you know, wanted to go to college, or Roberts University, and couldn't afford the tuition. Uh, I remember praying. And then I remember receiving a letter a few weeks later, granting me a full scholarship to that school after they had just said there were no scholarships available. But after I prayed, I get a letter granting me not just a scholarship for one semester, not a partial scholarship, but a full scholarship that covered all four years and then three. Come on, for this scholarship, I prayed. And the Lord granted me my petition. You see that wife there? For this wife, I pray. So when you tell me God doesn't exist, a prayer doesn't work, I just got to look at her. So she's a reminder that I serve a living God, I serve a good God, and I serve a God 
who answers prayer. Now, if you talk to her, she will tell you for this husband. She prayed because, you know, she was in college. I was at Oral Roberts in Oklahoma. She was in Monrovia, Liberia. We had never met. And, and she was going to college, and her, she had a habit that time. At 11 p.m. every night, she would pray before going to bed for one hour. That was her ritual. And while praying one day, not thinking about me, she found herself praying in my name coming out of her mouth. And she spoke to an older and more mature believer about that because she was concerned and she was advised, you know what, if it happens again, take that as direction from the Lord and keep praying. How many years you prayed before? <laughs> two or three? I can't see. Two? Three? Two. For two years, she prayed without talking to anybody. I'm all the way in Oklahoma. She's all the way in Monrovia. And then one day she gets a letter from me. And she would say to you, for this husband, I prayed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, you know, I could go on and on and on because the list is huge. I, I look at these buildings and I look at this ministry and I say, for this ministry, I prayed. Hallelujah. You're not here by accident. I look at you. And I said, for this I prayed. Now, if we had the time, each of you here probably could stand up and begin to, like Hannah, look back at your life and say, I may not have gotten everything that I wanted, but I know I've gotten enough answers to my prayers <laughs> for me to be able to say, my God is good, and my God is faithful. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on, say for this, this I, I prayed. We got two minute testimonies. I see Elder Doe there. I remember when she called. Was it? Was it? A, was it? Was it around Christmas? Christmas Day? Christmas Eve? Many years ago now, when we got a call, and she said, Bishop, Roosevelt is dead. Because she had come back and seen her husband collapse on the floor. Not, that's why she could see there was hardly any sign of life. And I remember we prayed. We prayed. And today, Roosevelt is still alive. Come on, raise your hand and say, there's a God who hears and answers prayer. And so Hannah knew from experience. But even as we celebrate the fact that God hears prayer, I would be the first one to admit I have not yet mastered prayer. Not yet gotten to the place where I am like Jesus, walking in the manifestation of every prayer I pray. So, like the Apostle Paul I say I have not yet attained, I am not yet perfected in this business of praying, but I, I thank God that, that, that I know a little bit, and I thank God for the many instances where we have prayed and seen the manifestation and the results. And because I've seen so many answers to prayer, I want to be a better prayer because I believe that we can see even greater results and we can see more results and we need to continue to press in. 
in this area of prayer. Because prayer is not fantasy. Prayer works. Because we pray to a God who answers prayer. One more time, raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. We pray to a God who answers prayer. So let us look at the story of Hannah and let us continue to grow in our prayer life. Let us continue to learn how to pray. The disciples said, teach us to pray. Amen. And so we want not only to pray, we also want to know how to pray even more effectively. And I think there are some principles that I could I want to share with you that it's in the story of Hannah that will help encourage us in our prayer life, but also help to guide us in our prayer life so that we continue to see even greater and greater results for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen? So, for the sake of time, I'm going to have to summarize the story of Hannah, but hopefully most of you have read that story, and you know that Hannah had a problem. Um, she was barren. Her husband's name was Elkanah. And he, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, he married two wives. And that's always, well, thank God for my one. Amen. So she married what? Two, he married two wives. And one of them was Hannah. The other one was named Penina. And I apparently Hannah probably was the wife he married first. And the problem was Hannah could not have children. So he had a second wife called Penina. And Penina had many children, had boys and girls. And as you would expect, there was some tension in the relationship between Hannah and Penina. Uh, the Bible tells us that Elkanah loved Hannah the most. Penina had the children, but he loved Hannah the most. And so, obviously, there's now this rivalry between the two wives. And in particular, Penina dislikes Hannah because she sees that even though she has children for Elkanah, it is Hannah that he loves most. And apparently he didn't try to hide it because the scripture says whenever they will go up to Shiloh on a yearly basis to carry, uh, to, to offer sacrifices and to worship, Elkanah would give to Penina and her children a certain portion for their offering. But he would give Hannah twice as much. So he wasn't hiding the fact that he loved Hannah more than he loved Penina. And, uh, you know, that must have provoked Penina or irked her so much that she decided she was going to do everything she could to make Hannah as miserable as she could. And so the Bible tells us that every time that Penina and Hannah and Cana and the family went up to worship. In particular, Penina, the scripture says, will provoke Hannah. In other words, she will mock her for the fact that she was buried. And this thing got to Hannah. 
to such degree that the scripture describes her as really, when you read the story, it looks like she had become depressed as a result of this situation. And this was something that happened year after year after year. So she was barren for many years in marriage, and year after year, this woman, Penina, the other wife, a rival the Bible called her, an adversary, would provoke her, would mock her, would make fun of her. And this left her very, very depressed. And so let's go to verse 7. And let's quickly read verse 7. So, I, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she, Penina, provoked Hannah. Therefore, Hannah wept and did not eat. Next verse. Then that Cana, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? She's depressed. Am I not better to you than ten sons? He was trying to encourage her. He was trying to comfort her. And sometimes, no matter what we say, uh, our words are never enough to encourage a person who has allowed themselves, because she had to allow this, to become so emotionally de depressed and discouraged over her situation. But she was down. And let's go to verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in shallow. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle. And what is about to happen now is that Hannah is about to pray. Remember where she points to Samuel and says, For this child I pray. Hannah now is about to pray. And the scripture says in verse 9, So Hannah arose, they had finished eating and drinking in shallow. Now Eli the priest was going on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Verse 10, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Get the picture, the Bible is focusing upon her emotions. This is something that emotionally is very, very draining. We, we have needs and we have challenges of different kinds, but some hit us where literally it, it affects us emotionally in, in ways that, that are very deep. And this woman is really, really being impacted by not only the fact that she's barren, but she has a rival who's provoking her and mocking her and teasing her and making fun of her because of that. Verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, everybody, let's read this. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Next verse. So what, what has she just said? She just said, Lord, if you would just give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. And, and he's going to belong to you. Okay? And you can do with him whatever you wish. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli washed her mouth. Now, she's praying, but she's not praying out loud. She's praying. Her mouth is moving. But only God can hear her. And she, Eli, is looking, the high priest is looking, and he thinks she's drunk. Because I guess all the emotions while she's speaking, he thinks she's drunk. So he, he rebukes her. So Eli says to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. He thinks she's drunk. 
And then she responds, she says, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. So she describes her prayer as a pouring out of her soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Next verse. Then Eli answered, said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you the petition which you have asked of him. Eli is the high priest. Hallelujah. And he has a role in this miracle. Next verse. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight or find grace in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer completely changed. Her circumstance hadn't changed yet. The baby was not yet born. She could not yet say for this child I prayed, but her whole attitude has changed. Something happened this time when she prayed. That, that even though the circumstances had not changed, her attitude had changed as a result of prayer. Now, let's look at that. Let's look at that. We know that God doesn't answer or grant every prayer because the Bible tells us that for instance, God will never violate his word. The scripture says, whenever you pray according to his will, and his will is his word, he hears you. And if he hears you, you know you have. So if you pray contrary to God's word, God cannot grant a request that will violate his word because that would make God a liar. So any prayer that we pray that is not consistent with God's word, God cannot grant because God will not violate his word. Forever his word is settled. Amen? So when we pray, we need to make sure that the prayers we pray do not violate the, the word of God because that will be contradicting his will. He will not violate his word. Two, we know that God will not answer prayer that will violate his character. I mean, you, we, we need to know God's character and the prayers we pray need to be consistent with his character. Because he will not violate his character. Remember one day when, when Jesus was going through Samaria and the Samaritans didn't want to receive him. And the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven to destroy the Samaritans? What did Jesus say? You don't know what spirit you are of. The son of man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to do what? Save it. So their prayer to destroy the Samaritans, destroy their enemies, Jesus refused to grant because they were asking something that was inconsistent with his character and his reason for coming. His reason was coming is to save men's lives, not to destroy. So when you and I pray for things that are contrary to God's word or contrary to God's character, the, God cannot grant those requests. All right? But now when we look at Hannah's prayer, we say, wait a minute. Asking for a child doesn't violate God's character. Asking for a child does not violate God's word. But why did it take so long? Because you see, Hannah, the scripture says, have been praying. I mean, this was year after year after year. I didn't, I didn't figure out just how long the time was, but it's clear that it was many years of 
every month being disappointed, hoping that maybe this month and being disappointed and being disappointed. And this went on for years, and, and it, it apparently got, it got worse and worse, I mean, emotionally for her. So why the delay, if not the denial, because ultimately she did get the answer, so we know this was, there was not a no, but obviously there was a delay. And so we're going to ask ourselves, we know when God will say no is when we're asking contrary to his word and contrary to his character for sure. But then why when you're asking for something that you know, well, does, does God hear and see her pain? Yes. Does God hear the prayer she's praying for a child? Yes. But then why is it taking so long for this prayer to be manifested, the answer to it. I think the answer for that is given to us in the book of James. Let's go to James chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 1, 2, and 3 very quickly. James 4, 1, 2, and 3. Let's read that together. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? Next verse. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. So what James is saying, listen, many things that you're fighting over and struggling over, listen, all you need to do is to pray. He says, you can receive that thing by prayer. You don't need to be fighting and going through all of the emotions and, and, and competition and, and all that we go through. If we only knew that, you know what? I don't have to go through this. I can go to God and I can pray for this thing because it's according to his word. It's according to his character and I can receive it. Amen. Let that sink into your heart and mind this morning. There are a lot of things that you may be worrying about and anxious about that you can receive simply by praying to your father in Jesus name. Amen. He says, you ask and you do not receive because what? So many times you're not receiving simply because you're not asking. But then there are times when you do ask. And he says, you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own lust or your own pleasure. So in this case, James is not saying that you're not receiving because you're asking for something that's contrary to God's word, nor is it because you're asking for something that's contrary to God's character. He's saying what you're asking for is consistent with God's word and is consistent with God's character, yet you're not receiving, and the reason you're receiving has to do with your motive. So wait a minute, we want to learn about prayer. For this child I prayed, for this thing I prayed. Well, according to James, my prayers and what I receive from God can be impacted by the motivation for the prayer, the reason for the prayer. Why am I praying for this thing? James says, if my motivation is primarily to consume upon my own lust, or it's primarily for my pleasure, that's may be a reason if not for a denial for a delay because you see God sometimes must delay the manifestation because he has to do a work on us and a work in us 
and a work through us that takes priority over the thing we're asking for. And I think this is why we struggle because we feel that the thing I'm asking for always should have priority. God, give it to me now and we can worry about my character later. God, do it for me now and you can work on me later. God, meet this need now and we can talk about some of my attitudes that need to change. But God says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) In my scheme of things, your character, your attitude, your heart, your motivation are really as important or more important to me than the thing that you feel has to happen today. Some things can wait to give me an opportunity to do some things on you, in you, and through you. Are you, are you hearing me? So let's, let's look at Hannah. Let's look at Hannah. What she was praying for? God's will. God wanted her to have that child. What she was praying for? Consistent with God's character. Yet there is a delay. And we see that this last time, the prayer that we prayed, she said to God, God, give me a child, a son, and I will give him to you. And you may use him as you please. I don't know what you're going to do with him, but I am asking you for a child And I'm telling you, when you give me this male child, I'm going to come right back here and I'm going to give this child right back to you and you can do with him as you will. Question, do you think, let's assume she was praying for 10 years. Do you think 10 years ago when she started praying, that was the prayer she was praying? No, 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 no. It is clear when Hannah started praying for a child, it was God deliver me from my enemies. Deliver me from this shame. Deliver me from this woman who's mocking me. God give me a child. Take away my shame. Make me look good. God give me a child. Don't let my enemies mock me. It was primarily motivated by a desire that centered upon her own self and her own needs, and she did not have as a primary motivation God's glory. In fact, I don't think she was taking into account God's glory at all. You guys are quiet. But I think we're learning a very powerful lesson about prayer. You see, James said, The reason you're praying, but you're not receiving, or it's been delayed, is because the motivation is off. You are praying, and your focus, the primary motivation, is for your own pleasure. You're only thinking about you as you pray. And that attitude, he's saying, is hindering you from receiving your answer. Is it wrong, Bishop, for me to pray for something for myself? No. But it is a sign of spiritual immaturity. If the only reason I am praying and asking for things or the greatest motivation for prayer is because I want to take care of me. I want to feel better. 
I want to look better. I want to, to, to appear better. You understand? If the primary motivation for what I'm asking for is for me, and I have no sense of God's purpose and glory, then that is an indication of something amiss in my heart. And God needs to work on that. We need to let God work on that so that we can grow and get to the point where, you know what, I do want this. I am asking for this. But what's most important, God, even as, as I ask for this, is that you be pleased and you be glorified. It's first and foremost about your glory and not my pleasure. Now, it takes spiritual growth to get there. But God wants us to get there. Did you hear me? It takes spiritual growth. So there are times when you first get born again, you're a little child, and you ask for stuff, and you know, hey. But after a while, God said, okay, now, now that you know I'm real, now that you know I do answer prayer, let's grow up. Oh, somebody, you're not hearing me. We need to do, I said, we need to what? Grow up. There are a lot of the things you may let your little kids get away with, but after a while now, okay, we got to learn some things. Now we need to grow up. We need to mature. And so there are de things that are delayed. It can, not always. There are other reasons for delay, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to focus on this aspect, that one of the reasons why our prayers, being the manifestation of our prayers, may be delayed is because God is doing a work on us and a work in us that takes priority. And he wants us to come to a place where that's okay. Where now when we're praying, we're not praying just because we want our adversary to be silenced. We're praying because we want to give birth to something that God can use for his glory. So now, Lord, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying for health, but I'm no longer praying for good health just because I want to feel good. I'm praying for good health so I can give you a healthy body, a healthy body that you can glorify yourself through, a healthy body that you can use to advance your kingdom. It's not just about God, I want to feel good. God, even more, I am claiming divine health for my body because I want a healthy body that you can work through to advance your kingdom. I want a healthy body that you can use to bring glory and honor to your name. I want a healthy body that you can manifest yourself through. So it's not just that I want to feel good. I, it's not wrong, but I, God, there's something more than that. God, I'm praying for a successful business, but not just so that I can walk around and look successful and I can impress people and I can uh, have money to take care of anything I want. God, those, those, that's not the thing that's motivating me anymore. Primarily for my desire that you cause my business to succeed. No, my motivation is to give birth to a successful business that you can work through for your glory and to advance your kingdom. Lord, it's not just about me anymore. It's about your glory. It's about your purpose. God, I want a husband. I want a wife. I want a family. But it's not just so I can be able to say I'm married or that I have children of my own. No, God, I'm believing you for a family so that I can be used of you to offer to you for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom. 
a godly family, a Christ-like family, for your glory. Are you hearing me? You see, that's where we ought to get to. And that's important to God. And it should become okay with us. When I read the story of, of Hannah's answer to prayer, I realize that truly, I should not be praying for anything that I'm not willing to and cannot offer to God fully for his glory. That should be the primary motivation. If, I, if, if what I'm praying for, I cannot or will not offer to God for his glory, then I really ought not to be praying for that thing, at least not yet. I need to allow him to do something in my heart. So that when I pray this prayer this time, yes, I have needs, and my needs are going to be met, but oh, I'm praying for this, and I know God, when you grant it, I'm going to give it back to you. It's going to be for your glory. It's going to be to honor you. It's going to be to advance your kingdom. If I cannot say that in my heart, then perhaps that may be the reason God has delayed the answer. Because if he answers it now, listen, if God had answered Hannah's prayer the first year she prayed, she would have gotten a son, given birth to a son, but not given birth to a prophet. She would have given birth to a son, but she would not have grown spiritually. But because of the delay, and in the process, God was able to work on her and work in her. When she did give birth to this son, she didn't want to give birth to a son. She gave birth to a prophet. And in that, both her needs and God's need was met. Hannah needed a son. God needed a prophet. Israel needed a prophet. Had God granted the request the first year, she would have gotten a son, and that's it. She would not have grown spiritually, and God, his own need for a prophet, would never have been met. But in this time of delay, the time of waiting, the time of patience, you have need of patience, God was doing a work in her and a work on her so that he could do a work through her. I wonder what God is working on in your life right now. I wonder what you ought to be letting God work in you right now. And that thing that you desire, have you come to the place where when it is manifested, you understand First and foremost, it is for his glory. It is to advance his kingdom so that you can take that which he has given to you in answer to your prayer and offer it back to him for his glory. I believe that's a lesson. That's a lesson I need to learn from the story of Hannah concerning prayer. Hallelujah. So Hannah then grew and she prayed and then she gave birth to a son, and she called his name Samuel, which means God has heard, or God has answered. She never wanted to forget what God had done for her. 
Hallelujah. Now let's quickly look at what happened at the point of the answer. Remember she came in and the, 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 the high priest, Eli, was looking at her and thought she was drunk. And the first thing he did was he rebuked her. And then when she said, no, 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 I'm not drunk. The next thing he did was he says, the Lord grants you your request. And Hannah said, oh, that you may be gracious to me and show me favor. She spoke this to the priest. She mentioned the word grace because Hannah knew that she could not qualify for that answer on the basis of her works. Oh, that's another lesson we need to grab. She knew that she could not qualify on the basis, let your maidservant find grace, favor in your sight. Grace. She approached God from a perspective of grace. Hear me. Every prayer that you're going to have answered from God will be answered because of God's grace and not because of your merits. Hannah knew she could not deserve or merit this answer. But she came anyway, depending on God's grace. Hear me. Don't allow your shortcomings and your weaknesses to keep you from praying because there's grace sufficient for you. Listen, Hannah had an, an Eli as a high priest. You and I have a Jesus as our high priest. And if Eli could qualify Hannah, a man, a high priest much less than our high priest, if Eli could qualify Hannah to get this prayer answered, my goodness. And if Eli qualified to release God's blessings to Hannah, can you imagine how much more Jesus, our high priest, qualifies us to come before the throne of God in spite of our shortcomings, to come boldly to the throne of grace and to obtain mercy in time of need, if Eli could qualify her, my goodness, imagine how much Jesus has qualified all of us who are in him to come boldly to the Father in time of need and to pray. And then Eli was the one who spoke and said, the Lord grants you, he was speaking on behalf of God. And when Hannah heard Eli, Hannah heard God speaking through her high priest. And that was enough to change her attitude. When she heard the words of the high priest as the word of God being spoken to her, she knew that that word would never return for it. It was all she needed, a word from God through her high priest for her to stop crying, for her to stop weeping, and her prayer changed from begging, and now she starts to rejoice, she starts to praise, she starts to give thanks before she sees anything. And behold, in the fullness of time, that which was spoken came to pass. Hear me, because God has spoken again, but this time through a high priest far greater than Elijah. And if we will hear the word that God has spoken through the Son, by sending his son to die for us, by resurrecting his son, 
by coming back to live in us through the Holy Spirit. God has spoken to each of us through the high priest that is above all high priests. And if we were here, the word of the Lord, the Bible says in times past, he spoke through the prophets. But now he has spoken and he's still speaking through Jesus. And we ought to hear what God is saying to us through Jesus. And what God is saying to us through Jesus is grace, 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 and more grace. And if we can hear it, then we will stop crying, we will stop weeping, we will stop being discouraged, no matter what our circumstances is. If we hear what God is saying to us through Jesus, we will rejoice, we will praise, we will glorify Him, and we will experience the goodness of the Lord and the faithfulness of God yet more and more. And we will give birth to that which we were once barren of, because when he is working in us by grace, his grace is always sufficient. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And amen. So we hear, oh God, what you have said and what you are saying through the Son. Our high priest far greater than Eli. We hear the word of grace. We hear the love of God. We hear the finished work of Christ. We hear the word concerning our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption in Jesus. We hear it. And that word that we hear transforms our attitudes, transforms our prayer, and transforms our expectation. God, you are good. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen and amen. I said amen and amen. You never know what God is going to do with your prayer. Hannah didn't know God was going to use her prayer to give birth to one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. So pray. You never know what God is going to do with your offering and your sacrifice. Hannah offered her son as a sacrifice, and God raised up one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. You never know what God is going to do with your prayer. Pray with your offering. Offer it with your sacrifice. Give it. But it's written he will do exceedingly abundant above all that we can even ask or think. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.